Okay, so for this part of the episode, I wanted to have a chat about um, my sales experiences um, when I went on my holiday to Brisbane. And um, I've got to say, I've probably done about maybe three or four versions of this, and I've, at each time I do it, I, I, um, I, I want to be a little bit careful about um, making sure that everybody understands that I went and did this on one day, so the experiences that I had in these shops, um, in these guitar stores in Brisbane, were based on one day, one visit, um, and in no way uh, represents, um, I suppose, the continued sales experience of, uh, of the staff of these shops. Having said that, I had a great time. Um, I, I don't really have anything negative, really negative to say. Um, all of the staff that I spoke to on those on, on this particular day, on those visits, uh, were very, very pleasant. Um, they were very, um, very relaxed, uh, but uh, varied in how exactly how helpful they were at relieving me of my cash. So that's kind of the focus, that's a little bit of the, that's the kind of the point of view um, that I wanted to come to. Now, being that this is the, the handcrafted guitar builder, um, some people of course uh, out there who are listening um, build guitars you know, for themselves or for friends and that's uh, cool. Um, other people are building guitars to sell through their own website. Uh, or through reverb, uh, for example, using the social, the social media kind of outlets like Facebook and uh, and uh, Instagram, and that's probably where I fit in uh, into the scheme of things. And then there's other builders out there who, you know, have uh, more going on, um, have their guitars in stores. Um, and as well as having the you know the the, the, the social media pages going uh, and that type of thing. So, but the one thing that the last two examples um, have in common is that your guitars are being sold, and that means that they are being sold to customers who have money in their pockets or don't have money in their pockets. Um, I think that being a salesperson gets a very, very bad rap. Um, and what I mean by that is, uh, I think there's a stigma attached to the idea of selling. Um, as in, you know, you're trying to cheat someone out of their money, or you just all you want to do is get the most amount of money off somebody. 
Um, yes, as a salesperson, your job is to make money for i.e. The, the company you are working for, um, which may be yourself, or it might be a case of, you know, if you work in a guitar store, your job is to sell items to make money for that shop, and therefore earn yourself commissions and a wage, and that's, you know, that's, that's the job. Um, but that's not, that's not the whole job. And that's the thing, and this is where people, uh, you know, some people um, incorrectly judge salespeople as only having the dollar figure uh, in their mind. A good salesperson has both objectives in their mind, and the two objectives are obviously selling, you need to make money, that is your job. Your job is to sell a product to a customer, receive funds for that good thing sold, those, those funds go to the company, okay, so whether or not that is your company, whether or not that is somebody else's company and, you, and that salesperson's getting a wage, uh, and including commissions and things like that, then that's, that's the job. But the job is also to make sure that your customer has what they need, and this is, this is the, 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 the most important part of sales, alright? Let me explain. A bad salesperson, okay, will absolutely screw a customer, hard sell them for every cent that they have got. Alright, now I come from, now let me just explain why I feel I am, um, why I'm qualified to talk to you about this today. Now I spent nearly 20 years in fashion retail, okay, so. And I worked uh, for, in New South Wales and Sydney, I worked for um, a couple of the largest uh, menswear uh, fashion companies. Now, I'm not going to name those companies, uh, but one of the reasons that I left uh, the, the last company that I worked for and became a teacher was that I was completely becoming dis, um, disillusioned with the sales industry as it was, because basically what was happening in the industry and in the company that I was in was that older, more experienced male and female workers were being overlooked, um, basically to hire 20-something girls with big boobs, and I'm and that's and that's it's as simple as that. It is just as simple as that. I'm not I'm not sexist. I I have daughters. Uh, you know, I'm married to a beautiful girl, an intelligent, wonderful girl, um, and I, I'm going to tell you straight up, the reason I got out of fashion retail was because it was becoming difficult for dinosaurs like myself to, um, to pass on the knowledge of the industry. When I first started, I started working uh, with... I don't know. If, I don't know if you've seen the show. Um, Are you being served? The old British show from the 1970s. And I worked with, a, with an old bloke uh, who reminded me so much of old Mr. Granger. Um, you know, it, it's, it's the, the old bloke, and he just had he just had 40, 50 years of of tailoring knowledge. Like he knew his products inside and out. He knew fabrics. He knew 
fit, he knew cut, he knew size, he knew all the tricks to make things bigger, make things smaller. You know, all of the all of the things that would, would sell an item and also have a customer walk out of a shop, you know, looking good, feeling good, and, and happy with their purchase. And that's the guy that I learned from. Um, the industry has changed, it's become the fast sell, it's become get as much money out of every, every single person as you possibly can. Um, and that's what I hated, and that's the reason I got out of it. Um, I'm now on my way kind of back into it uh, after spending seven or eight years teaching and having to deal with the bullshit that goes on, you know, with the politics in school. I've just, fair income. It's just ridiculous. It is, it is absolutely ridiculous. So obviously I'm pushing my guitar building business, um, you know, the two of them which, by the way, is Birdwood Guitars and Retro Electric Guitars, both of which you can find on Facebook, Instagram, and on the internet. All right, shameless self-plug there, sorry. Um, so, yeah, I, I believe that I am qualified to talk to you about this today. So, the objective of this today is to get you guys out there who are building to not be afraid of actually being able to sell your products to customers. And I want to use this trip to Brisbane as an example of maybe uh, some things that on the day, and I'm going to say this is really, really important to understand that on the day, um, why these shops missed out on a sale, and in some cases why I'm actually kind of kicking myself now because I really, there's a couple of items that I really um, would have loved to have actually gotten because I had the cash on me at the time. Um, but I don't now, so I, and I don't have those items, um, and that upsets me because I really, really, really like those those things that I was looking at. Um, anyway, so anyway, I, do, I don't digress, but it, I'll get back. Come on, back on topic, Adam. Um, there's a, there's that balance that you, as a salesperson, need to um, need to have, and the balance is making sure that obviously you're making money for the company but also making sure that your customer has what they need and also has the opportunity to try uh, those things that they're interested in so let me go through the three the three different stores um, I'm still deciding whether or not I'm going to name the shops I probably I probably <laughs> I don't know I don't know because because one of the stores is my absolute favourite favourite music shop on the, on the planet, and if I could model my store, uh, a bricks and mortar store, on this particular uh, business, I would in a heartbeat. Okay, so uh, you can see why it's a difficult thing to talk about, but I do believe it's also an important thing to talk about. Um, okay, uh, all right. So the first store that I went to in Brisbane, uh, it was located in. Uh, a really beautiful suburb, kind of on the top of a hill. Um, it basically, it was inside a, a what's called a Queenslander-style house, which is um, uh, a, a building which is kind of on, on two levels. Um, it's usually open underneath to the elements so that it allows the air to go through. It's a timber construction, It's and they're gorgeous. I absolutely love them. Um, Surrounded on both sides by cafes, by ha by um, 
residences, uh, really gorgeous, gorgeous kind of areas. So when, you, when we got out of the car, and I'll say my brother and I went, my brother doesn't play guitar, but he knows quality, and he's, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's a pretty intelligent bloke. You know, he, um, he really knows what he likes, and he loves his music, um, and although he doesn't play an instrument, he can, he absolutely respects instruments, the guitars, anything. He's just, he's just one of those people that just absorbs music and loves all forms of music as long as it gets him in the heart he just he uh you know he loves it um and he's he's basically he's a, he's a no bullshit kind of guy he really knows his you know he knows his stuff anywho um so we went into the shop and uh, this particular store and the shop itself was, was gorgeous a real rustic kind of vibe about it very clean very neat um on the top, and we had a good look around, and there were, you know, they had the, the obligatory fenders in the shop, and they, uh, I think they had some Gretches. They actually had some Chapman guitars, which I was quite impressed about, because um, uh, I rather uh, like the Chapman guitars. They're rather good instruments. Um, so we had a good look around, um, but being that, obviously, I'm very much into, uh, you know, guitars from the 60s, and, and especially Japanese, um, you know, the Japanese guitars from the 1960s. That was my target kind of uh, the, the thing I was really looking for. I couldn't really see anything up the top there that kind of fit that bill. Uh, I certainly didn't see any cigar box guitars uh, in this particular shop, and you guys know that I love my cigar box guitars as well as you know electric guitars as well. Um, but there, there wasn't really anything on show there, so I, I asked the guy. And I said, "Look, I'm basically looking for really old crappy guitars," <laughs> and I say that um, I say that you know good naturedly and and. Uh, and you know, with a lot of love and respect for those and for those instruments. But yeah, I basically go, where's your oldest, oldest, cheapest guitars? You know, oh, well, we've got a few downstairs. So the, the young guy said to said to us, look, yeah, we've got a few downstairs. Let's go to the back and just go downstairs. I said, oh, okay, all right, cool, cool. So my brother and I kind of toddled to the back of the shop, and it was a bit of a dog leg stair there, and we you know went down the stairs and. Uh, as you go down the stairs on the you know on the left hand side there was a little corner set up so for obviously for guitar setups and you know some basic work uh, no heavy machinery or anything like that but just enough enough tools to you know to get a job done you, you, there's nice bench space enough to, to, to do your work to do uh, you probably could even do some refretting there and some sanding and things like that but uh, but nothing there's no industrial sanders or anything like that but uh, there was enough there to get to get get uh, Get a setup job done, or a, you know, a bit of a bit of a refret if you needed to. Um, and a, as you kind of uh, went down there again to the right, it just turned around again, and there were three little rooms that were uh, that were set up. And uh, again, it looked it was a bit mu a little bit musty down there, and there was a little bit more dust downstairs than there was upstairs. And and one of the rooms was set up for amplifiers. Ah, coffee break. Uh, one of the rooms was set up for amplifiers, another room was set up with uh, acoustic guitars, and in the middle of those two rooms was a lovely little room, uh, which basically had pretty much everything that I was looking for. And sitting in there on the walls were some Grecos, uh, some Gyatones, um, had uh, uh, what I believe now is a Tombo which was one of the lesser known, um, lesser known uh, electric guitar companies from the 60s uh, in Japan. Um, 
and it was uh, the one that I was really taken with. There was a lovely, I will say that there was a, uh, a lovely um, yellow Greco Les Paul style guitar, um, which I really quite liked. The prices were actually qu quite reasonable, uh, in all honesty. Um, the one I was really taken with was an SG-shaped um, bolt-on neck, I believe, Tombow guitar. Now it may be, it may actually be a, um, a Sakai guitar, but I'm going off the, um, I'm actually going off the, the the pickup choice, which I believe may have been a Tombow. But the thing is. As as you may or may not know, with with these types of guitars, now people usually just use the term Tesco or Tesco um, to refer to Japanese-made guitars. But as I'm learning very very quickly, there were bucket loads of companies that were absolutely jumping on top of the Beatles bandwagon in in the early '60s um, with the probably the highest year of sales for Japanese guitars being 1964. Um, and the the burgeoning, no, I wouldn't say burgeoning because a lot of these companies had actually been going for quite a while. Um, but certainly a lot of these companies jumped on the bandwagon and there were a lot of companies that came up overnight, a lot of companies that uh, had been there for a long time and some of those companies which are still actually around today. Uh, Ibanez was born very much so in that in that time period, Yamaha uh, instruments were and have continued, um, you know, from from those times. So, a lot of these companies uh, are quite fabled. Uh, Gaiatone, for example, um, Aria. Uh, a lot of these companies that that longtime players would recognise um, have been around for a long time. So it's, it is very very difficult though to. Um, find makes models of, of these instruments sometimes and even the uh, you know the, 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 the companies because a lot of these companies bought pickups from outside uh, outside suppliers uh, and so it is difficult anyway uh, let's get back to the sales um, what what I found though was firstly I couldn't get the guitar down now the guitar was sitting just sitting overhead height um, I don't have a very good back uh, straight up and it's very difficult for me to raise my arm over my head because I've got arthritis in my right shoulder uh, which is one of the reasons why I rely so much on uh, on mechanical you know on, on electrical tools when I'm building guitars because simply my shoulder can't put up with hours and hours of sanding uh, or repetitive movement um, I couldn't actually get any of the guitars down that I wanted to actually have a look at it was very difficult. Now my brother and I were actually there for 15 minutes. Um, we nobody came down to check on us. Nobody came down to ask if we, if we wanted to plug anything in. Um, it was yeah, it was it was a bit it was a little frustrating. Um, and you know to walk up and down the stairs and have to. I it, we kind of looked at each other and I think we kind of decided at that point that we were going to base. You know the judgment on whether or not I was going to buy, and whether or not anyone actually wanted to sell. Um, so I figured, oh look, maybe they're just flat out upstairs. So you know, we had a good look, we had a good talk about the guitars and, and the ones that I really liked. And uh, I, I, I was basically settling on, well, not settling. It sounds bad, but I was basically decided that I would like to actually get that, get the SG. 
what makes matters worse is that I am uh, a very, very, very shy guitar player um, in shops. When I'm doing markets and when I have a stall and when I do, you know, any festivals and things like that, I'm quite okay sitting in my stall and sitting in the back of my little 3x3 tent and and playing my cigar box guitars and playing slide and, and playing, you know, electric guitars that I've built and things like that. And I'm, I'm actually quite comfortable doing that. Uh, but I'm not comfortable doing it in a shop and it probably stems from bad experiences in music stores in the, like, the late 80s and the, you know, when I was... Uh, you know, just just basically people showing off in shops and arrogant salespeople and things like that. It just turned me off playing guitars in music stores, and it's, to this day I still am uncomfortable doing so. Uh, and I t- certainly don't really like asking. Um, so we went back upstairs. We had a chat to the to the fellow who was up there, who, by the way, was a, a very very pleasant bloke, really nice guy. And I said to him, you know, I said, oh can you tell me a little something about the guitar, you know, downstairs, and he, he was quite knowledgeable, he kind of knew, he knew when they had received it, and where it had come from, as in the customer who had brought it in, so he kind of knew a little bit of the, the modern history of the instrument, um, still, we didn't really have a date on it, I, we were assuming it was late 60s, maybe early 1970s, uh, which definitely put it in the in the forty plus forty plus age bracket, um, and you know, and I was saying, look, I'm I'm quite interested in it. And I was asking him about, you know, asked about postage and and, and that type of thing. Uh, and instead of saying, why don't we go and grab that guitar for you? Why don't we plug it into an amplifier and let you have a play? sit in the room downstairs there for a little bit and plug it in and, and have a go of it and let us know what you think if you like it you know we can all you know because we talked we spoke about postage i actually remember asking oh what's the postage to new south wales on an instrument like that you know sometimes customers want to buy things but they won't tell you so i think as a salesperson um sometimes you do need to take need to take control of a sale um, because I think at that point in time you know in hindsight when I think about it um, I was on the edge I was sitting on the fence I obviously wasn't jumping up and down saying oh I need to buy it now I need to buy it now I need to buy it now um, and you know the guy knew that I wasn't local if I was local he might have said well look go and have a think about it why don't you come back next week or Come back and try when you come back in a you know a few days and give it a try if you want to come back and have a look at it or they he knew I was from interstate because we were talking about postage down to New South Wales from Queensland. Um, so unfortunately, I can't, we kind of left it at that. It's it would have been great. Now I think about it, if he just simply said, "Why don't we plug it in? Go and plug it in." You know, even if it was a case of you know close the shop for a minute, because maybe he was the only one there at that point in time, I think he might have been, close the shop for a minute, put the little sign up saying back in five minutes, because you got a customer on the go, hi, that was me, um, get out there, plug him in, have a play mate, see what you think, uh, get down a couple of the guitars, which ones would you like to try, okay, cool, 
and that allows your customer to make a decision based on not just not just a visual aspect, but also you know how does that neck feel? How does the how you know what are the frets like? What are the what condition are the frets in? You know, if it's a forty-plus-year-old guitar that's been gigged and played, if it's you know. It's going to have little idiosyncrasies. What are the bumps like? Is, uh, are the bumps on it just um, visual, uh, or are there some structural issues that you might want to have a look at? And uh, you know, especially cracks around the neck pocket and, and, and things like that that you may want to have a look at and may want to check out and see. Okay, we'll see if this is all fine. See if this is all great. Um, little things like that. Anyway, cut a long story very you know, short. It just it didn't happen. We walked out of the store. We went to another shop, and the next shop that we went to, um, quite a different experience. Um, the salesperson was very willing, came up, said, hi, how are you? Nice, blah, 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 a little bit of niceties. Uh, I asked him again, what's the oldest, what's basically the oldest and cheapest vintage guitar that you have in the shop, specifically looking for Japanese, uh, Japanese 60s, uh, you know, 60s, early 70s guitars would have... Um, what have you got? Uh, very helpful, very helpful salesperson. In fact, um, you know, got it down. We had a little look at it. Guy asked me, "Do you want to plug it in?" Now, based on the instrument itself, I decided not to. Well, firstly, it was in dire need of repair. Now, keeping in mind that I think had I just been looking to buy it for myself, I could have been tempted, um, but obviously, I'm looking at flipping instruments. So that's that's part of my business is finding finding old unloved instruments um, you know putting attention into them and uh, and selling them and uh, unfortunately it's it's it was just too much money too much work uh, for the money because at the resale value I just I wouldn't have made my money back on it in fact I probably with all the work that it needed and the resale value of it it wouldn't I would have probably lost money on it uh, which is a shame because it was an old Greco um, or guy tone actually it might have been a guy tone off the top of my top of my head might have actually been a guy tone uh, Les Paul style uh, well the Les Paul guitars that Les Paul used to used to play you know with all of the switches and the, uh, the single coil um, low impedance picker arms and you know that type of thing but it basically it needed a bucket load of work new switch new um, new uh, scratch plates things like that it just it just needed way too much work so you know and anyway as we're leaving we kind of bumped into a fellow who kind of came up and introduced himself and you know he was one of the owners of the store or one of the managers of the shop they ended up um, having a really great chat with him they had a couple of cigar box guitars in the store from a Sunshine Coast builder uh, we had a little chat about those I introduced myself told him what I did I built cigar box guitars and electric guitars and you know flipped instruments and we had a chat about the old guitar that we just had a look at we had a really really lovely talk and if anything just that conversation was you know is all part of the sales banter because it makes you want to go back to the shop makes you want to check it out again so next time I'm in Brizzy uh, I'll definitely go back there the store was really nicely set up um, if a little brown <laughs> but it just had a really cool vibe um, a lot of people in the shop there probably would have been maybe six groups of customers um, on a Friday afternoon too I've got to say this was probably around about one o'clock on a Friday afternoon so uh, it was quite busy uh, considering uh, the day 
uh, and I'll definitely uh, definitely go back. It's a it's a really great shop. Now, as I said, I'm not naming stores. Okay, so I'm just I'm not gonna. And you know, it's a, it's a one day thing, right? So one day, one visit. I, I'm not judging the stores based on one visit, but I am judging whether or not I spent money. Uh, so the second store I went into, I didn't spend money simply because there wasn't a product there that, that really worked for me. Now, the last shop that I went to is my favorite store on the, on the face of the planet. I've loved the store on Instagram and, um, and you know, obviously through social media, Facebook, things like that, uh, even a bit on YouTube. Uh, again, I'm not going to name the store. I think anyone who knows me will know the shop that I'm talking about, but... Uh, I went in there and it was just, it was just, hello, it was just Japanese, Japanese repro guitar, uh, you know, 50s, 60s, 70s guitar heaven. It's, it was just the amps from wall to wall, guitars from wall to wall, uh, effects, um, you know, it was just an amazing, uh, amazing store, very, um, hole in the wall kind of style you know uh, newspaper clippings all over the wall albums all over the wall very uh, it certainly didn't look like um, you know it certainly didn't look like a guitar center or anything like that with the gleaming poles and the it was very very um, garagey you know it was a real um, you know suburban kind of studio vibe about it which I absolutely absolutely adore um, and the the guy that was in there uh, wasn't the owner of the shop he was uh, obviously you know um, uh, one of the techs there and someone who, who does the work and he, he knows what he knew what he was talking about he knew what he was talking about he's he was a very knowledgeable bloke very 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 pleasant guy um, definitely made us both feel my brother and I feel very at home uh, it wasn't busy uh, I will say, uh, I think we we were in the store for about twenty odd minutes, and we were just walking around the shop, and I just had my jaw down, and there were these gorgeous Gaia tones, and and you know, uh, God, uh, Sakai's and and Kawai's and and just you know, Fenders. It was offset guitar heaven. You know, if if it had a if it had a jangly single coil and a and a bizarre whammy bar, it was it was the shop for you. You know, if you're into you know high spec you know speed machines and things like that, maybe not quite so much. Um, but it 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 was just rock and roll heaven, man. You know, honest to God, uh, it, it's just it was just. I could have, you could have put a cot up the back for me and just said, that's your spot, you can stay there now. And I said, oh, I could have been quite happy staying there for forever, forever, forever. Anyway. Um, so, there were a couple of instruments that I was, that I was really, really, really interested in. Very, very interested in. And I, and we had a chat again, we had a chat with the, with the, with the bloke that was there. And, um, you know, and, uh, when I say I had a bit of money to spend, I had a bit of money to spend. I didn't have a huge amount of money to spend. One of the instruments that I was looking at was a touch out of the budget for me. Um, and the guy even mentioned, you know, a, a payoff scheme that they do and things like that. And I had a look at a guitar pedal that I really was very, very, a limited edition run on a fuzz. And 
I was very, very, very interested in it, and, and I thought, you know, I really, wow, that could, that, that, I, I could take that home, you know. Um, you know, and through the conversation, again, the same thing kind of happened that happened in the first store almost. It was a case of, if the guy had said to me, and I'm going to say this, I've put it on the, put it on the table, if the guy had actually said to me, come on, let's get a guitar lead, get a couple of guitars, sit up the back with an amplifier, plug you into a really nice little old, you know, really nice old amp, plug it in, let's go, go and give it a go and just, just have a twang. And then come up and we'll discuss and see if you want to do a payoff thing or, you know, you know I would... I would actually have that guitar that I was looking at in my hands right now. Well, not right now because I'm driving a car, obviously. But I'm a little frustrated because it's that that guitar. I think I really would have liked to have actually done that, and I really think I would have actually liked to have, you know, paid a bit of cash and paid the rest off. And all it needed, I think, for me to commit to that was the that was the salesperson to actually take the lead again and say okay let's do it let's plug it in let's go ahead let's you know let's um let's make this happen for you but it didn't and it didn't happen and I don't have the guitar and I really wish I had that guitar you know it's uh, it's it's very frustrating um and unfortunately now, I am in a situation with, with my business and a, and a transitional paradigm shift of employment, uh, which is making me uh, very, very much um, focused on my guitar business as opposed to what I was doing. Um, it's... It's... Um, It's frustrating because I really, I really would like to actually have that guitar, and it didn't happen. Um, and I think that was probably that was probably the biggest lesson of the whole um, of the whole experience. If you've got a customer there who's interested, do everything that you can to help them purchase the thing that they want. I have um, a 100% satisfaction guarantee on my instruments, the instruments that I repair and sell and the instruments that I build myself. This is something that I tell my customers. They've got seven days to make a choice from the moment they get it until they, you know, to make a decision and say, that's, that's the instrument for me. That's, I love it. It's great. Because if they don't, then I don't want them to have it. I'd rather they contacted me, sent it back, and I can issue a refund. Or we can do an exchange or do something different. Um, a refund policy is not a bad thing. A refund policy is, a, is a, an insurance policy for the customer and for you. It means that you can get a product back that you can resell to someone who does want it. You don't end up with a product out on the market that someone doesn't want and a customer who is um, frustrated and upset. 
Um, I'm currently working with a customer at the moment who, you know, bought a guitar from me a little while ago, has decided he doesn't want a solid body guitar. He really wants uh, a, um, a cigar box guitar. So I'm working with him to actually organise an exchange, organise extra time for me to build for him, anything to keep a customer happy. All right, but at the same time, you've got to look after yourself, and that's the mo- that's 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 very important. You need to take care of your business, but taking care of your business means selling your product. Don't be afraid to sell your product. Don't give it away. Sell it. Sell all the things that the customer's going to need to go with it. Ask the customer, do you need cables? Do you need leads? Do you need slides? Do you need, what do you need? What can I do for you that will help you buy an instrument of your dreams? Anyway, that's the lesson. Um, Cool. So maybe a short episode, this one. Um, I hope it's been helpful for you. Um, Don't be afraid to sell your guitars. And don't forget to don't you know don't be afraid to sell to your customer because they are your customer and they're part of your business. Okay, thanks. Bye.